1: For the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris.
0: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. I'm really excited about this guest we have lined up tonight. Uh, His name is. Alex, and I hope I'm saying the last name correctly, Ugorji, Alex Eugorji, and he's from CryptoFrontier.org. And we're going to be talking tonight about the, the northern U.S. Mariana Islands and this movement of cryptocurrency entrepreneurs that are moving to this island to sort of create a cluster of crypto entrepreneurs to really you know, create some synergy there. And we want to welcome him to the broadcast for the first time. Uh, Alex, I hope I didn't butcher your name. It's good to have you with us, sir.
1: Great to be here, Jim. Thank you so much.
0: I don't know if you're on a speaker, if you could possibly pick the phone up only because sometimes on the stream we lose a word here and there.
1: Yeah, sure. There we go. Much
0: better. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Tell me, go ahead and say your last name for me so I get it right.
1: You Gorgia, you had
0: it okay Alex you Gorgi, and the website for people that want to get more information as we talk about this tonight is cryptofrontier.org so uh, check that out cryptofrontier.org. Alex, start by telling us a little bit about yourself if I found the right profile I guess you're a Stanford uh, graduate uh, which means you're a super smart guy, but give us a little bit of a background on your education and, and your business experience.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm from Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, a progressive heartland in the U.S. And I was lucky to grow up from a liberal background, the old school liberal that would fight for your right to say anything, even if they disagreed. So that was the background I came up in. And uh, I was very open minded as a result and really liked hearing uh, new interesting ideas. And I was growing up as the Internet was as well. And I would hear a lot of interesting ideas on the internet that sort of shifted me over to libertarianism. And from libertarianism, I found cool things like cryptocurrencies. So during college and as a young adult, I was pretty interested in the subject and was trying to explain to everyone, this is a pretty cool new tool. You should check it out. And people thought it was like, you know, funny money, internet money, all <laughs> yes. of that. But- They're not
0: laughing now. Yeah, I wrote a book about I wrote a book about Bitcoin and I started buying Bitcoin when it was twelve dollars and the people stopped laughing. (laughs) And I think it was like two thousand sixteen or so they started. They started asking me how to get in and stopped laughing at me. So there was sort of a, a changeover that took place there. Now, for people that are not familiar, and I'll be honest and I'll be share my ignorance tonight. Uh, up until I heard you on, uh, free talk live. Okay. I, I was like, U.S. Mariana Islands, wh- what is that? I, I thought maybe I'd heard of it before, but then I, I went online and I, I was like, wow, this is not very far from Asia and it's uh, U.S. territory and it looks really beautiful. And I started looking into like the cost of of like renting a home there or apartments and different things. And it was it looks very inexpensive. And I thought, man, this is like the best kept secret. So tell us about the U.S. Mariana Islands, uh, how you learned about it and why you decided to settle there and to sort of build this movement of crypto frontier uh, in that area.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I was with you. I think almost nobody in America has heard of the U.S. Mariana Islands. And the official name is the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands. But I'm like you trying to shift the name to the U.S. Mariana Islands because I think it rolls off the tongue more easily. But anyways, so I have a Chinese business partner and he was the one who went there first and he was just going there on vacation and he had a friend who was from there from college. And when he got there, he instantly realized this has tremendous potential. Visa-free access for Chinese citizens, among many others. And it's right there in the heart of Asia but U.S. territory. So it's a perfect opportunity for real estate, any asia facing business, and many others. But when I visited there, I saw something different. Every day I'd learn about some new autonomy it had, some new special ability that came with the covenant it has with the United States. The covenant is the treaty the territory signed when it became part of the U.S. So unlike almost every other territory in history, it negotiated the deal. It wasn't a conquest of war or conquered in some other way. It sat down with the United States and said, you know, here's what we want. What can you give us? And as a result, it has some of the best deals of any territory. Yeah. So, and uh, and, and it's, to, it's, it's uh, really uh, a little bit, or Well, we... yeah.
0: Well, I'll, I want to follow up on that, but also to tell people if you just Google – uh, Mariana Islands, you'll find a lot of information also. But uh, tell us about the, the climate and what it's like to live there. I, I read today it, it's like, what is it, 14 islands, but the truth is there's really three main islands, but the one island yeah. where most of everything happens is is Saipan. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So many people in Asia just call the entire territory Saipan because that's the only one that the average person will end up going to, whether tourist or American or even the locals here, right? Many of them will just stay on Saipan their whole life because that's where everything is, all the infrastructure, government offices, all of those. And it's that's by no means a, a bad place to, to stay your whole life, right? There's a reason they're staying there. Every day is pretty much uh, mid to high 70s at the low, and about mid 80s at the high year round, and it's the kind of place probably similar to Florida where you are. Where when it rains, it's usually just a short shower. The clouds blow over and it's sunny again. So absolutely beautiful climate and very enjoyable place to live.
0: And and if you're already, so, I'm a U.S. citizen, so uh, born here in the United States. So if I wanted to go there and just say, hey, I want to live here now and rent a place, I don't have to go through any process, right? Because I'm already a United States citizen, or or is there some type of a process I have to go through to get permission to live and work there?
1: No permission required to live and work there. The one thing that you will want to do, you don't have to do it, but I think everyone would, would want to do this, is you file a form with the IRS saying, you no longer are entitled to my income. So if you're the U.S. territories, many people don't understand that, number one, the U.S. taxes you worldwide. So for citizens of other countries, if they say you're Canadian and you move to America, you will no longer have to pay taxes to the Canadian government. You say, I'm in America. I'm paying taxes in this country. And they say, "Okay, that makes sense. You're no longer using our resources. You no longer have to pay taxes. But as Americans, no matter where we go in the world, we always have to file with the IRS and we will almost always owe money as well. As having and and, and
0: just to clarify, for one exception to clarify that. So if Israel. you're if you're living in a, like in Europe, so what the IRS allows you to do is to take any taxes you pay to a foreign government as a, as like a deduction. But then whatever the difference might be, you would owe that to the IRS. So anywhere in the world you are, but you're saying there is a special exception for the Mariana Islands.
1: Well, for all U.S. territories. Okay. So so U.S. territories, uh, if your income is sourced from there, if you're a resident, a normal person, you'll probably source from there. You know, if you're running a bunch of like companies all around the country and world, it might get a little more complex. You should speak with a lawyer. But for most people, pretty much if you move to a territory and you you're there for six months, you are no longer an IRS uh, tax sheet and you get all the the freedom that you would get if you were to be a citizen of another country Wow! And move to someplace else.
0: That explains maybe why so, Jeffrey Epstein and, was at the St. Thomas, right?
1: Yeah. U S Virgin islands. Yeah, there's, and there's many different territories and arrangements, but it seems to me that the U S Mariana islands has the best one in my opinion. So the simplest way it's all tax stuff is pretty complicated, right? IRS code, millions of pages, so we're just giving a, a brief overview. Obviously consult with lawyers and accountants before you uh, do anything major. But essentially the way it works is there's a rebate for the income tax. So they mirror the federal code. So if you're in the U.S. Mariana Islands, the rebate is 20,000 is one bracket, 100,000 is one bracket, and then over 100,000. So any income you make from zero to 20,000 gets a 90% rebate. Any income you make from twenty thousand to a hundred thousand gets a seventy percent rebate, and any income you make over a hundred thousand gets a fifty percent rebate. So those are very, very substantial rebates.
0: So those are the that rebates on the rebates on the taxes that you would have paid on that income on your federal income. Does the island itself have like a separate tax then, or is it just? Yeah. Okay.
1: Exactly. They have their own IRS, which uh, is another huge benefit. So many libertarians such as myself really hated funding wars and some of the other uh federal government actions that we disagree with. But as a Mariana Islands resident, I'm not paying for any of the wars, I'm not paying for any of like the DA drug busts or any of the other things that I may disagree with. So that's also a huge benefit living here both like psychologically, ethically, and you know, those rebates are no joke. If you're in Florida making a million dollars a year, you'll pay around 37%. If you're making a million dollars in the Maran Islands, you'll be paying around 17, 18%. So that's a huge savings and it's the rebates even higher the less you make. So if you're making 100,000 you get even larger benefits. Yeah, that's the uh, that, yeah, that sounds
0: like a I mean right there that's a, a great reason. And I know Puerto Rico has a similar uh arrangement, the 6 month, you know, arrangement and and uh, I know they were trying to sort of build a uh, a synergistic community of cryptocurrency people in Puerto Rico and I I guess it it had some modest success but but not too great of a success. But tell me, for example, um, if someone wanted to move there, and they were, you know, seriously looking to move there, let's start by talking about what the costs would be to to live there. For example, I found online where you could rent a modest apartment for around three hundred and fifty dollars, four hundred dollars, something like that. Did I get that right, or is that too low of a number?
1: Yeah. It's around that range. It will vary from apartment to apartment. It's uh, it's a little different than in the rest of America. Things are are way more casual, advertised in person, handshake deals. So you can't just hop onto Zillow or Craigslist and just find a listing of apartments. But in the last few months, I've been working really hard to figure out how everything works, what it costs, and all of that. And I'd say that. Uh, most people can get an apartment they'd be satisfied with for about 400 to $500 on the low end. And if you want to have like a great apartment with ocean views and generators and pools, maybe uh, 1500 to 1700 range.
0: And I found it interesting, too, when i was doing some research today, some further research for this interview, that according to the uh, Johns Hopkins uh, coronavirus website, That in fact, there's zero cases reported for Mariana Islands, which I thought was fascinating only because, uh, from what I understand, you're not far from Asia and a large number of people that visit the island uh, and live there are Asians, but yet no coronavirus problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have zero cases. We have toilet paper on the shelf. Our bars and restaurants have not been forced to close by any executive orders. So I would say from a corona perspective, uh, it's a pretty good place to be. As for why we have no cases, your guess is as good as mine. It's arguably just, you know, a luck, right? Anywhere could get it. Random places in West Virginia end up getting corona. Like it's it's sort of arbitrary. But if we were to have corona, I think it's a good place to be because there's low population density. And because we get hurricanes, all the, the stores have large uh, stockpiles of supplies because after a bad hurricane, it's possible our like pouring stuff is cut off for a week. So all the stores, gas, everything is always overstocked and people are also not prone to panic because, you know, they've experienced hardship before, so they're not running around like their heads are chopped off. Like, what are we going to do? We're all going to (laughs) die. They're just enjoying life as best
0: they can. Well, that's like here in Florida. We're we're used to like a couple of times a year having the hurricanes. What is the transportation system like there? Is it one of those islands where a lot of people use like scooters or bicycles and not everybody owns cars? Or is it kind of spread out where you really need a car? Uh, Yeah,
1: it's hard to say what you really need, I would say you should get a car. That would be my recommendation. Other people would say, no, you, you can just get by on the scooter. But I think for the average American, especially family, you'll want a car, it just makes things super easy. A lot of people here, they don't have cars. Especially, uh, we have a huge, over 10,000 people working here on a special Saipan only visa. So this is, only exists for the U.S. Mariana Islands. And it's essentially used to staff everything. If you go to McDonald's, you go to a hotel, you go to the accounting firm, they have Filipino workers who they brought over on this special visa. And most of them don't have cars and they get around fine. Hmm. So there's a huge percentage of the population doesn't have cars. But I think many Americans, they want to be able to go wherever they want, whenever they want to. And that's when a car is really beneficial.
0: So I understand the population is about 50,000 in Saipan um is if you got in a car and wanted to like drive as far as you can in each direction like how long would you be driving before you're you reach the end of the island like let's say by by height and width Uh
1: yeah I would say the farthest you could drive is maybe 40 minutes
0: Okay. So and not, now not much different than maybe the island like island is, uh, the big island of Hawaii.
1: Yeah, I'd say the main difference is the population density, I would guess. I'm, I'm not familiar off the top of my head, but yeah. the northern part is not developed at all. Hmm. And that's where there's like a lot of hiking and bird parks and other like good nature stuff okay. that you wouldn't go to on your day to day. So from, you know, the the areas where people live from one side to another is probably closer to 25 minutes.
0: Okay. So there is there there more of a, is there a city kind of a a more urban zone that, like I know there's a lot of casinos there and things like that. Is there like a city center that sort of has developed and then there's the more outlying areas or is it more spread out and not any type of central downtown zone?
1: There's a central downtown zone, but it's not a city. Okay. So, uh, you know, more like the, the town square type thing. Okay. Kind of reminds me of a, New England town square where you can go and get everything you need. There's some more restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Obviously the architecture is different. And in addition, there's this billion dollar casino that sticks out like a, a sore thumb, right? There's the second most expensive building in Saipan is probably under 50 million. So building a billion dollar casino in downtown, it, it's a little like jarring in wow. comparison, but it's uh, I guess it shows something that people are willing to throw a billion dollars into projects here
0: now what about uh, jobs if people wanted to move there and they weren't a part of the crypto community which I want to get to that in the, the second half of our interview but if people wanted to move there, Americans are there jobs that pay enough to be able to live there or do you need to come with wealth that you already have built up
1: yeah I would say uh, it's much harder to get jobs than the average American locale, and it will depend on your sector. So if you work in the legal sector, healthcare sector, or education sector, you'll do very well here. The median income is fifteen thousand. so if you're making you know thirty five thousand or more, you're in the upper middle class or higher. Wow, so many people will come over to you know even nurses, teachers never mind the, the doctors and lawyers they they love it here because their taxes are so low the cost of living is is very reasonable and their purchasing power is very good but if you're not in one of those sectors it'll be very hard to get a job because as i mentioned earlier there's that CW visa so the job for even an accountant or construction worker is around 10 to 15 dollars an hour because they can import them from the philippines at a low Right. So it's only because education, law and healthcare. care, there's all these barriers to entry that's hard for foreigners to be able to work in these fields that keeps those wages very high. So I recommend if you're not in those industries, you should work online and build up your business before you come.
0: Yeah. Now, just so that people uh, who are just tuning in are wondering what in the world we're talking about, the website is CryptoFrontier.org, CryptoFrontier.org. Our guest this segment is Alex Ugorgi, and he is the person heading all this up. And I want to transition now to talk about the cryptocurrency movement. And uh, obviously, you're a crypto enthusiast. Uh, Tell me what your niche is in cryptocurrency. Have you developed uh, uh, an app or are you simply an investor? Do you manage money for people? Tell us about your entrepreneurial stake within the world of cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, sure. So I I see crypto as a a tool, right? It can make the world better. It's a more efficient way to transfer money to not have deflation, to have control, to have privacy. So I don't know which coin will win out. And I think anyone who's telling you where crypto prices will be any time, or which coin's gonna win or what to invest, I'd be skeptical of them because it's, it's really hard to know. But I'd say that we do know is this technology is a major improvement in the industry of money and wealth storage and privacy and all those things. And I'm working to help implement it. Because when I look at the entire crypto industry, the problem seems to be that there's no way, there's nowhere or way to test your solution. Say you have a nice blockchain voting software. Where do you go to test that? There's no place where you can say like, look, they use it here. There's, And I think that's the advantage of the Mariana Island is that it's small enough. I'm able to talk with senators and house reps and, you know, the... The government as a whole and say, Hey, what if we implemented these solutions and they're really interested? They listen and they're like, how can we help? So that's sort of my approach from the crypto community is I think unless you can find some place to implement these tools, they're not, they're not useful in the real world. It's just a speculative investment tool. So for all those who want to see their crypto holdings keep rising, I think we need to work towards making some place where you can implement them.
0: Interesting. So just like how restaurants, uh, I believe the the test market still for restaurants is Columbus, Ohio. For some reason, they figured out statistically that that small city represents sort of a microcosm of the United States. So they will test out like a new restaurant chain there with maybe three or four locations to see what happens. Then that is the decision to roll it out. And, and this is a great idea. Now, the one interview I heard you do, you use the analogy of Detroit. So Detroit became kind of a cluster for the automotive industry, and there's a lot of benefits of that. There's sort of a natural synergy, and of course, these companies are competing against each other, but you have access to a talent pool, so if somebody uh, isn't happy at Ford and they want to move across the street to to Chrysler or General Motors or you know wherever they th- that talent pool is there, is it the same kind of idea that you're thinking of, which is to uh, draw a talent pool to the Mariana Islands, not only the proximity to Asia, which of course is very uh, open to cryptocurrency uh, but also to build that talent pool there so that these various uh, you know ventures uh, you know can you'll have great discussion groups and you'll have great talent pools to be able to work from and maybe companies joint venturing together uh, with non-competitive technologies that can work together and, and come up with some solutions
1: yeah exactly and i think it can also be a meeting ground for crypto people of different countries right There's some big crypto communities in Hong Kong, Tokyo, and Seoul. And all of those places are a few hours away from the Mariana Islands. And the U.S. is a great jurisdiction, good rule of law, uh, very well respected where people from all these places can meet in the U.S. Mariana Islands to do businesses, form companies. And same thing, as you said, the workers can come there as well. A lot of crypto workers are living in Asia already whether it's Thailand, Philippines, Tokyo, Seoul, they're all in their region. And many of them are Americans because we're one of the largest countries in the world with a very strong uh, tech sector. So I'm trying to attract these people to come to one place where it's easy. They can have the synergies that made Silicon Valley, Detroit, and many of the others so strong. Because right now I feel that sort of place is lacking, especially in America. And when you combine the tax advantages, right, if you're here, it's very good uh, for taxes, which is one of the biggest problems for crypto people as well.
0: Yeah, I was in uh, Seoul in uh, 2018. I was in Seoul in October of 2018. And one of the things I did, I was invited to be a part of a, a panel discussion at uh, one of these, uh, uh, it was like called the Bitcoin Center there in seoul i don't know if you've you've been there it's uh like a group of uh, bitcoin uh, enthusiasts and uh very interesting they all spoke english uh better than me, <laughs> even. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, everyone spoke English, They're very educated people. And uh, uh, we talked about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and it was a very uh, interesting day that I spent with them. And uh, so many people in Asian countries are interested in cryptocurrency. You know what, I, I my takeaway from that is that uh, I think the U.S. is very arrogant. Like we have the dollar and the dollar has for so long been sort of the international currency of trade. And I don't think that will be forever. Uh, but I think people are arrogant in the United States, but I think people in in, in other countries that don't have the dollar, they are looking at Bitcoin as a, a safe haven, a currency, maybe a hedge against their own currency. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I'm of the mind that uh, you need to have a stable currency. So whether it's a fiat backed or I think even better would be some kind of commodity backed currency. I think that's the ultimate future of cryptocurrencies. Perhaps you have a, a gold-backed cryptocurrency with a secure vault in a respected jurisdiction, Switzerland or the UAE or somewhere like that. I think that's the, the ultimate end for cryptocurrency. But in the interim, I think it's it's providing a, a great opportunity for people right now who they don't trust their native currency. We've seen in Venezuela and Greece and many other regions where there is currency instability they convert to bitcoin so there certainly is a you know gold like aspect where it's a safe haven currency of sorts but in the long run my bet is on a commodity backed stable coins
0: very good now here in the mainland of course uh, our banking industry while at the same time applying for patents For their own cryptocurrency technologies, they are closing bank accounts of anyone that has anything to do with cryptocurrency. In my book, I wrote a story about uh, a three-year-old that has a uniform gift to minors account. This is a a three-year-old child. Her parents set up a savings account for her college at Bank of America. Bank of America found out that the father, who does not have a personal account at the bank but has one for his daughter, that he, through his business which is a hedge fund, happens to invest some money into cryptocurrency. So once they found this out, they closed the daughter's account. But yet, when you look into it, Bank of America is applying for a patent to have cryptocurrencies held in bank accounts there. So it, it is not that they don't want this technology to succeed. They want to own it. And and by people uh, exploring this with, without going through the banking system, they look at it as circumvention of the banking system, which is what it really is. Do you find the uh, financial institutions there in the northern Mariana Islands, do they have this sort of a paranoid fear where either they want to block this altogether or they want to try to co-opt it for themselves and block it in the meantime?
1: Yeah, so I think the U.S. Mariana Island is interesting, and we have uh, about five or six banks, and two of them are not FDIC-insured. So as a percentage of the market, a large percentage are not FDIC-insured, which uh, is, is what you want. The FDIC is what makes all these rules that prevents banks from getting involved in marijuana business and other things that the federal government doesn't like. So the lack of... FDIC insurance can be useful in that regard and I suspect they'll be more open to cryptocurrencies than the average FDIC bank but I think they'll still suffer from many of these problems as it's just all the federal AML, anti-money laundering, know your customer and other requirements apply here and I think that's what banks are really afraid of is the if you mess up there's you know, ten hundred billion fines that await you And the big banks, they have a vested interest and capability in being able to create their own currency or be involved in uh, bank backed one. But the little banks, which is the the average bank, right? The average bank is just a small uh, community bank, credit union, that type of thing. I think their main concern is just staying in compliance and not getting destroyed by all the regulations.
0: Yeah. Now for people who are uh, wanting to get a little bit more information about what you're doing there, do you have any uh, like webinars coming up? Do you have any maybe conferences where someone could fly to your location and maybe spend a week or two there getting to know the area, getting to know, you know, the the opportunities there, sort of a, a preview trip? Do you have anything like that planned? Maybe someone like me, I would like to just come out and see what it's like? Uh, Or is that just informal? Someone could contact you and say, I'm coming and I would like to meet up and there's a a meeting.
1: Yeah. So right now it's mostly informal. I've had a bunch of people contact me, uh, even some big names in the crypto community and we're coordinating a potential conference next year. We'll see how this Corona thing goes. I mean, at this rate, who knows if airports will even be open in a couple months? <laughs> right. But hopefully by next year, uh, we'll have a a big conference here. And in the meantime, you can just use the contact form on the website and subscribe to our email list, where we give monthly updates. There's projects still in in beta, right? Where we're not, you know, blasting everything out, putting out advertisements, making it big. We want to have a very high quality group as opposed to quantity. So many of the people have moved. uh, Mark Edge from Free Talk Live, a couple other big names in crypto are, some actually are planning to come over next month. So they want to keep it on the hush until they relocate. And once we get a few people here, then we'll really start pushing this project and say, look, we have all these big names over here. This is what we've accomplished. Consider joining if you can add to it.
0: Yeah, very good, and uh, just a fascinating discussion all the way around. Before we let you go, uh, you mentioned a couple of times uh, asset-backed cryptocurrency. Uh, do you have one in mind, or is that something you don't do to mention it publicly?
1: Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Okay. So for now,
0: there's a, there's Okay, because I'm, I'm curious. We I, talk about, but, I like yeah. to buy, like, at one time I had, like, 50 different... Cryptocurrencies. I buy a lot of small ones, just put a small amount in because you never know if it could be maybe another Bitcoin in development. But I, I like your thinking about sort of the best of both worlds. If you have a cryptocurrency that's also backed by some tor- type of physical asset, uh, I, I think that uh, is a very interesting idea. Uh, before we let you go, do you want to take a, a few seconds and uh, promote anything? Do you have any events coming up uh, anywhere in the world or uh, the website again? Do you have any book? out, uh, just uh, give us uh, a quick overview of how people can uh, get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, sure. So the, our primary website is CryptoFrontier.org. Uh, you should get in our email list there because that's where we give all the monthly updates because you know we're still uh, a hush-hush project, so we don't want to publicly put out everything we're doing until we start making really big accomplishments. So that's where the all the uh, key updates will be. In addition, you can check out marianasolutions.com. I have a relocation consulting business that I'm starting up because all the demand I'm getting, people are saying, help me find apartments, set up this, set up that. So I post every month about how much things cost to live, the top things here, the worst things here, what's the land situation, tax situation. So if you're interested in more on-the-ground information, you can check out there as well
0: and is there a do you do YouTube do you have a YouTube channel
1: not yet we'll probably add that in uh, Q4 this year
0: okay that sounds really good thank you so much for joining us Alex this has just been fascinating and I would love to come and visit you of course if uh, conditions ever come back to normal <laughs> where I could get on a plane and yeah. uh, so I would fly to Seoul I imagine and then I would get another flight to you is that how that would work
1: yeah, there's a lot of options, Seoul, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Guam. You, know, you, Although it's in the middle of nowhere, it's relatively connected to the world, I would say. Very good. All things considered.
0: Yes, and uh, I'm, I I definitely would love to come and visit. Our guest tonight has been Alex Yugorji. His website is CryptoFrontier.org. Thank you so much, sir. We hope you'll come, come back and uh, visit us again.
1: Have a great night. Thank, Thank you. you so much.
0: Thank you. Wow, that was fascinating. I have to tell you, and uh, (laughs) some people probably listening are like, Jim Paris, where, where in the world do you get these ideas from? Uh, it sort of struck me like perfectly for me, right? Cause I love cryptocurrency. I also am a, really a big advocate of this idea of geo arbitrage where you can live somewhere where things are inexpensive and, you know, take your income with you, especially if you have a portable income and an online business, that sort of thing, or you're retired living off retirement income. Uh, so all those things kind of came together and, and made this, uh, Uh, an interesting topic we wanted to explore. So we'll definitely bring Alex back from time to time uh, to talk about the Mariana islands. And uh, I'm super excited to uh, uh, check out his, both of his websites. The one also about uh, uh, relocating to the Mariana islands, who knows, maybe I'll end up moving there and doing the show from there. (laughs) Stranger things have happened. Thank you so much for joining us. Be safe. Uh, have a great week. And remember if it's Sunday night, It's Jim Paris live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.